You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Thank you again, church, for allowing us to be back with you. We're very excited to be here. You know, down south we have what we call halfbacks. I don't know if you all know what I'm talking about. It's people usually from up north, usually Michigan, that retire and move down to Florida and realize they don't like it very much, but instead of going all the way back up north, they move halfway back to Tennessee. And so we got a bunch of halfbacks. we got some in our church. And northerners, for the most part, down south have a bad, a bad rap, right? There's, you know, not as nice as some other people, rude, okay? But I will say from the bottom of my heart, this is one of the nicest places we've ever been. You guys are okay in, in this southern boy's heart. You're okay in my book. And so we love you. We love you. We really do love you. We feel love from you. You guys gave us gifts last time. You did not have to give us gifts at all, but it's very greatly appreciated. My church is the Fellowship Baptist Church, and so I'm glad to be back at my other home, Fellowship Baptist Church up north. And so we're very thankful for you all, and we do feel great fellowship from you. And so thank you very much. Thank you very much. We're going to be in the book of Acts. I did most of the presenting in Sunday school hour. So I want to just kind of jump right in here and not take up too much time. Um, So we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, but we're going to start in chapter 3. And um, I mentioned in the, a little bit in the presentation, 25% of every South African, black South African, I should say, has HIV or AIDS and so because of that, the mortality rate is a lot lower than a place like America. We're talking, I think it's 77 years old. It might be up to 78 now is a life expectancy of an American male of any race. The life expectancy of a black male in South Africa is 55 years old. Hard to believe and hard to fathom. Who in here is in their mid to late 20s besides me? Imagine this, uh, in our mid to late 20s, we'd be middle-aged if we were black South Africans. It's hard to, hard to fathom, hard to take in, but very, very true. We've seen it for ourselves. Well, I think a little bit last time I talked a lot about funerals. Every Saturday in South Africa is funeral day. Somebody in the family, extended or close family, has passed away. They don't really have funeral homes like we do here, and so all their funerals are in churches. And so I can take you on Saturday, we'll go into the township, and almost every single church in the township has a funeral going on, usually one at 12, two, one at five, one at seven, all of them. And so it's very, very heart- disheartening to see the death rate, the mortality rate being so high. But even more than that, the majority of these people will live a rough life in a place like South Africa, die at a young age, and end up in hell because they never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. So we're very excited to get back as soon as we possibly can and preach that message. Amen. I'm glad I heard it. Amen. I'm glad I heard it. Praise the Lord. So we're in the book of Acts in chapter 3, and we see that Peter and John have heard the same message that we've heard. They've heard this gospel message. They've seen Christ die, saw Christ die. In south, we don't use the correct grammar, so we say seen. I seen a rabbit this morning. We didn't say I saw a rabbit, so we have to get used to that. But they seen how Jesus died on the cross, saw he rose from the dead. And 
Christ told them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to be my witnesses. And here in chapter 3, they're doing that exact thing. They're going and they're telling, starting with the Jew first, preaching them this gospel that they heard. Praise the Lord. And so we catch up with them in Acts chapter 3 and we get to verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses and pray. But it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered in the temple. We got a lame man here asking people for some money. In verse 3 it says, He sees Peter and John, who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Verse 6 says this, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's pray. Dear God, again, I'm so thankful for this church, God. Me and my family, are, we're really a lot of nothing, God. But I'm so thankful for this church making us feel special. I thank you for the gifts, God. More importantly, I thank you for salvation, Lord. I thank you for the many people in here this morning, God, that are saved just like me. Help us to walk together and serve together so that we can be better Christians for you. God, as we preach this morning, God, I pray that you'd help me, fill me, undergird me, Lord. Help me not say anything that not be said, God. Help us to be clear and concise in the messages and the message you put in my heart, God. I pray uh, if there's any here lost this morning, God, help them to be attentive and to listen and understand their lost state. I pray that you'd prick their heart this morning, God. I pray those that are lost, God, that they'd get saved this morning. Maybe in here this morning, God, there's some that maybe we have some sin in our heart. Maybe we have some, uh, maybe we've not been walking closely with you as, as, as we could be, God. Help us, Lord, to make those decisions and changes where we can be totally close with you, myself included, God. We love you and thank you and praise you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. Thank you for the joy you put in our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I told you a little bit this morning, I graduated high school, started getting back in church and uh, started working a bus route. And I started, I remember telling my pastor, I was excited about serving the Lord. And I remember telling my pastor when I was about 20 or so, I said, hey, if you need me to do anything around the church, I'm ready. You know, I, I work from this time and this time, but after that, I want to work for the church. And so I'd, he'd have me come to the church almost every single day. And that eventually turned into church hiring me on full staff. And I, what a great day that was. I was so excited to be work for church and to be what they call full-time ministry. Uh, whether you're full-time ministry or not doesn't mean that you can't be full-time ministry. Amen. But the point is, I was working for the church, and I can remember my first day coming in. I knew we had a Christian school, and I knew I was going to be teaching. Like a, uh, I taught a PE class and a history class and so forth. I knew I was going to be doing that for half the day, working in the Christian school. But the rest of the day, I wasn't really sure. You know, what, did it, what is it that, a, that a, uh, somebody at, on staff at a church does every day? I was excited to learn. Well, I don't know what other people do, but here's what I did. I remember showing up. My pastor had my schedule. He had a, a little piece of paper, some notes on it. Then he had a, like a, a stack of maps, kind of mapped out the area, and he had a bigger, even bigger stack of tracks. He said, here's what I want you to do. When you get done with your school every day, I want you to go out, here's some neighborhoods, and I want you to knock doors till you run out of tracks. And for four, four and a half years working at the Fellowship Baptist Church, at least four days, sometimes five days, six days a week, I did some kind of door knocking for the Fellowship Baptist Church in Maryville, Tennessee. It was a great lesson for me to learn, praise the Lord. But... 
I grew up in church, saved a young age. Me and my wife had a bus route, so I was, I'd done door knocking before. I think y'all call it bus calling, right? Uh, bus calling. So I'd done all that stuff like that before. But this is the first time in my life that I'm in a neighborhood, subdivision, by myself, with a stack of tracks, inviting people to church. And I remember my door knocks first when I first started sounded something like this. <laughs> Did you hear that? I hope not. And sometimes I prayed that they wouldn't hear the door. Because I was nervous. I, I was nervous. I, I just wanted to stick the track in the door and move on down the line, get my quota done for the day. I didn't have the boldness that I needed to be out there knocking doors, inviting people to church, and telling them about what Christ did for me. And if you're going to be in full-time ministry, you need boldness, amen? If you're going to be a Christian today in this country, in Michigan, you need to have boldness for our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to preach to you a little bit about boldness, amen? We see Peter and John. We read a little story here. We're going to read an even longer, more story about their life here in chapter 3 and chapter 4. They go right together. And we're going to see how they had boldness and how we can apply it to our life. Amen? That's what I'm going to preach to you this morning. We read in chapter 3 and we looked in verse 6. We see this lame man, Bible says, from the time he's been born, never been able to walk. A man in need. A man in need. You know, it's funny when you go, when you see people in America who are in need, and there are some. I'm not saying that there's not. There are plenty of people in America who need, who are in need and need help. Praise the Lord for the lady who received that car that she needed. Praise the Lord. People who aren't need help. But it's funny that the American people who need help versus people in other parts of the world who need help, you really see that they really do need help. Changes, changes your mindset. But the point here is this man <clears throat> needs some help. He says in verse 5, he asks, he sees Peter and John walking in just like everybody else, and he asks them, and he gave heed unto them, the Bible says, expecting to receive something of them. Verse 6, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And I think he's being completely honest. I think we've all been there. Maybe somebody's asking for help. It usually happens to me at a gas station. Somebody will walk up asking for some help. And sometimes I just don't have any cash to give them, right? I think that's where Peter and John are at. As Christian people, we should be willing to help anybody, amen? <clears throat> willing to help anybody, show them Christ's love. But here, Peter and John are being honest. Just don't got it. But, but he says right here in verse 6, he says, I may not have exactly what you're looking for, but I've got something that you need. Look in verse 6. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He says, I've got something that won't just physically heal you, but that will spiritually heal you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 7 says, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And the Bible says, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He leaped up and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping. Amen. This man, I believe, is physically healed. Praise the Lord for physical healings in our lives. But more importantly, I believe this man is spiritually healed. Praise the Lord for the day I was spiritually healed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Who saved my soul, sent me that spirit of God. Praise the Lord. We see here, first of all, church, if we as Christians, if we're going to be more bold in our witness, we must rely on the one that we possess. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. In verse 8, it says, This lame man leaped up and stood and walked and entered with them the temple, walking and leaping and praising Peter and John because they healed him of his infirmity. Amen? No. What does the Bible say? Praising who? This lame man knew that it was not Peter or John or the preacher 
or the guy on staff or the priest or anybody like that that saved him or changed him or healed him, but that it was God. Amen. It was God that made all the difference in his life, made the difference in my life, and hopefully made the difference in your life. In verse, verse 9, it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Understand that the moment of salvation, church, when Christ saves us, when we accept him, he doesn't just leave us alone. He gives us something. He gives us, the Bible calls it the comforter here in Acts. It also calls it the spirit of God. Praise the Lord. He fills us with that spirit. Now it's up to us to depend on that spirit, to feed that spirit and not the flesh. Amen. But that spirit is inside of us and we can't lose it. We can drown it sometimes, but we can't lose it. It's in here. That, that comforter he has given us, in verse 8, we see this lame man knew that it was God that made a difference in his life. Look in verse 10. It says, and, all they that kn- and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. Talking about all these people in this congregation. Verse 10 says, they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people that are there ran together unto them in the porch that's called Solomon's greatly wondering. Greatly wondering. Peter sees this, sees this great multitude of people that have come together, and he, he, he gets an idea in verse 12. He says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people this, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? Not only did the lame man know that it was God that made the, the difference, but Peter and John knew that they had no special ability within themselves. It was Jesus Christ that used them to heal this man and that will eventually, here in a minute, use them to preach the gospel to these people. Amen? Anything that we do for God, understand that we have no ability within ourselves. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. It's Jesus Christ who uses us. There's some religions in this world where it's based on the individual. And the individual has a lot of power or a lot of healing or a lot of help or a lot of... I saw one guy out there, he just gazes and he stares. And people look at his gaze and they get healing. It's it's ridiculousness. It's ridiculousness. It's only through Jesus Christ. Amen. They relied... Peter and John relied on Christ to get this job done. From ver- we won't read it from verse 13 of chapter 3 all the way down through verse 26 to the end of chapter 3. Peter gets these people's attention and he preaches to them the gospel. In verse 19 he says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And he goes on telling them about Christ and about Moses and about Abraham. And all this points to one thing, the door of salvation, Jesus Christ. Amen. They preach it. He gets there. This man is healed. Everybody's excited. They're praising God. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Verse 2 says, Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Church, when we 
do something for the Lord, the devil's going to be there to lift his ugly head, amen, and try to stop us, to prevent us from serving the Lord. I was talking to a brother this morning. Brother Terry was telling me a little bit about camp last week and different things the devil was trying to do, but yet God was glorified by the souls saved at camp last week. Praise the Lord for that. Anything that we do for the Lord, the devil's going to be right there. Praise, um, He's going to be right there trying to stop us and hinder us. That's exactly what happens in verse, chapter 4, verse 1, 2, and 3. They preach the gospel. Many people hear it. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, these other men get mad. They take them, the priests take them and put them in jail. Okay, We don't have to worry about that here this morning. I don't think so. I don't think the Michigan State Patrol is going to come in here and stop me. Right? We don't have to worry about that in this country. Praise the Lord. We don't, we don't even have to worry about that in South Africa. We're free to do what we want. People ask me that a lot. We're free to do and preach what we want. But I know a missionary in China this morning who's had the police come to his door many times making sure there's not any church going on there. I know a missionary in Morocco who went to India, I'm sorry, went to Spain to get out of the country for a week. Last week tried to get back into his country and he's been denied access. His, his house, his church, everything is there in Morocco, and they won't let him come back in. He's trying to figure out something to do. That's, that's something real that people go through today, and that's exactly what happened here. They're, they're being taken, and they're being thrown in jail. But look in verse 4. It says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men, just the men, was about 5,000. Because of two men and their boldness and their dependence on the Spirit of God, God used that greatly to see 5,000 men saved. Who knows how many women and children along with that. Amen. Praise the Lord. If we go in the boldness of Jesus Christ, it's not our works that will be used greatly. It's Christ's works in us that will be used greatly. Amen. If me and Megan are going to South Africa to try to please the Fellowship Baptist Church of Maryville, Tennessee, and Pastor Tom Hatley... We may do something, but we may not do much. Who knows how long we'll last. But if we do it depending and trusting in Jesus Christ, then maybe we'll get something done. Amen? Maybe we'll get something done. Let's move on. We see that we must rely on the Spirit of God, this comforter. We must rely on the one that we possess if we're going to have boldness. Look in chapter 4, verse 5. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, here's the question, by what power or by what name have you done this? Move down to verse 10. Peter is answering here and he says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you all. We said we must rely on the one that we possess. Second of all, church, if we are going to have boldness in our witness for the Lord, we must realize the power that we have as Christians. We must realize the question is asked in verse 7, by what power they're being interrogated, okay? They're being interrogated by these priests and these men. By what power? They know that this guy's been healed. They saw, they saw it for themselves. They know there's 5,000 men running around praising Jesus now. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They said, Peter and John, where'd you get this power? And down in verse 10, Peter says, it's only by the power of Jesus Christ. Understand, church, there's power in Jesus Christ this morning. There is power in our scriptures. There's power in our scriptures. Praise the Lord. There's a reason why it's very difficult to wake up early in the morning and read it. The devil is trying to do everything he can. Sometimes our even sinful nature is trying to do everything it can 
to where we don't do this because they know the power that's in this book and how much it will help us for that day and how much if we continue to read it, how much of a better productive Christian we'll be. There is power in our scriptures, church. There's power in the sun. I'm going to give you a little story to try to prove this point. I was in South Carolina at a missions conference, and there was a missionary there who was going to Philadelphia. And he, and he had planted a church. He was raising some money to plant his second church. And he told us his testimony. He said when he was in his 20s, he lived in Arkansas by himself, unmarried. And he just moved to the area. And the first Thursday night that he was there, he got a knock on his door. Went out there, and it was about a teenage boy, about a 16-year-old boy, handed him a track to the Independent Baptist Church down the road. And he said, okay, great. He wasn't saved or anything like that. He said, okay, you know, just took it. Didn't really think anything else about it. He said the next week rolled by. The next Thursday, he got a knock on his door again about the same time. So that's weird. Went out there, and it was the same boy with the same track, invited him to the same church. He said, you know, you got me last week. You know, I talked to you, you know. He said, okay, I know. He said, I just want to invite you again. He said, okay, yeah, whatever. Didn't think anything about it. He said, next Thursday night, it happened again. Same boy. The next Thursday night, it happened again. Same boy. Four weeks in a row. He said, it happened so often that I knew not to be home on Thursday night between 6 and 7 because that boy was going to be there inviting me to church and I didn't want to go. He said, sure enough, I'd come home and there'd be a track on my door, him inviting me. He said, one Thursday night went by and I forgot it was Thursday. I forgot it was Thursday. I, and here that boy comes again about the 10th week in a row knocking on my door and inviting me to church. He said, I just could not tell him no one more time. And this lost 20-year-old man went to church. And guess what happens when you bring lost people into the house of God? A lot of times they're going to hear the gospel. And a lot of times they're going to get saved. Amen? That's exactly what happened to this man. And I think to myself, what I take from that story is what if that boy, this is a missionary now, in Philadelphia, by this time he's already planted his second church. All right? think to myself, what if this boy had only gone eight times? You know, what if he'd only gone five times? To me, two times is a lot. What if he'd only gone twice? There'd be one less missionary and two less independent Baptist churches in the city of eight, Philadelphia, a city of eight million people desperately needs the gospel because of one boy and his boldness just to knock on somebody's door and buy them to church. I thought that was an amazing story to realize that there is power in a track. Amen? There's power in a track. Move on now. Look in verse 12. We know that there's power. We must rely on the one that we possess. As we close in here to our third point, I want you to hear this part, this last point. We must realize the power that we have as Christians, not within us, but within our Bible, within that message. You know what Paul did, how he was able to witness to and lead so many people to Christ? It's because he just told them his personal testimony. He didn't have any special words or special ability. Everywhere he went, he thought to himself, I'm indebted to this person that I never met before. Because if I don't tell them the gospel, they're going to die and go to hell. And he would tell them his personal testimony. Whether he was working on a tent or riding on a boat to get to his next mission field, he was just telling people about Christ. Amen? That's the life we ought to live. We must realize the power that, there, that we have in Jesus Christ. Look in verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 13 of chapter 4. Now, talking about these priests, these Sadducees, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They marveled. My, my, I, have a, I have a Schofield reference Bible, so my, my Bible stops there. I thought that was a whole verse. So I was just kind of thinking about it. You know, they looked at these men and saw that they were unlearned and ignorant, and they marveled. 
And, you know, sometimes maybe the North gets a bad rap for maybe being rude, but the South gets a bad rap for being unlearned and ignorant. Amen? Right? I heard somebody call them the toothless masses one time. And uh, that that was funny. I know some people in the hills of East Tennessee, and they fit the bill. Amen? But some some are in my wife's family. But anyway... Summer. Anyway, my wife's, my wife's family is from Strawberry Plains, Tennessee. They call it Straw Plains, and it sounds like what it is. So there you go. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is they're, they're, we're viewed as unlearned and ignorant, right? Unlearned and ignorant, these hillbillies that don't know, that don't know, good, that don't know good, right? They don't know anything. And I've heard somebody's, I've heard people say over the years, they don't, the reason why they go to church and the reason why they, you know, have a pastor and read their Bible every day is because they don't know any better, right? They don't know any better. When all actuality, church, it's not that we don't know any better. It's not that you don't know any better. It's that we have known none better. Amen. We don't know anything better except for Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's the truth of my life. But we, they look at Peter and John, these two fishermen, probably from the South, right? And think to themselves, what are these guys doing? They, they're unlearned, they're ignorant. But the Bible says they marveled, and i got to flip my page because of this. Look in, the top, look in the second part of verse 13. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, they seemed unlearned and ignorant. They probably had tan skin, which back in that day wasn't a good sign. It meant they worked out in the sun. Probably calloused hands, right? Probably didn't have good language, or good, their grammar wasn't correct, Right? But they knew without a shadow of a doubt that these men were servants of Jesus Christ. Can your wife or your husband or your children or your teacher or your neighbor or your boss or your coworkers, can they look at you, no matter what, no matter what prejudice they have against you, can they look at you and take knowledge that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's a question I got to ask myself every day. That's exactly what they thought of Peter and John. Verse 14 says, And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. These men get together, start talking about what they're going to do. The, the, the Roman Empire has allowed the Jews to govern their own people, and that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to govern and make a decision on what they're going to do against Peter and John. Verse 16 saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them, and it is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us, let us nip this in the bud. That's a southern saying. Let us nip this in the bud and get these guys out of here. Be that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. So they've decided that they're going to threaten Peter and John, which I'm sure has worked a lot in the past. But they're going to threaten Peter and John and tell them to stop doing this. And they're expecting them to quit. Verse 18 says, They called the men and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. How many here has ever been threatened, but you knew that the threat, there really wasn't much behind it? Maybe it was a playground threat, right? I think we've all experienced that, you know, whatever. But this is a real threat. There's, there's teeth behind this threat. If you don't stop, There's going to be some worse happening to you, but we're warning you right now, just quit and go on about your day. Verse 19. But Peter answered and said unto him, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. He's saying this, look, you're giving me a threat. understand what you're saying. But he says at the end of verse 19, 
if it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God judge you, he says, look, you've got to make a decision on where you think you stand with God. You've got to make a decision on where you have decided when it comes between you and God. Verse 20, he says, but as for us, we've made our decision. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Church, that's the, the completeness of boldness right there. Standing in front of the men that are threatening them but could hazard their lives and eventually will take the life of every single apostle and disciple save, save, save uh, uh, John, right, who they boiled alive and he didn't die so they put him on an island. We read about Christians in Acts. The Bible says they would take Christians and take animal skins, carve it into their backs, sew animal skins into their backs, throw them out in the desert. Brother, we're talking about that Arizona desert this morning. Uh, throw them out into the desert until they literally baked from the inside out. They threw James off the top of the highest building in the city until he just fell to the ground and watched it. We see that they killed and crucified and did whatever they could to stop Christians. But yet standing in front of the men that eventually will kill them, they say, we're going to do what it takes to please God more than what it takes to please man. Church, that's our third and last point. We must rely on the one that we possess. We must realize the power that we have as Christians. But we must, more, most importantly, I believe, we must remember whom it is that we are to please. We're not here to please men. Amen. We're here to please him. Praise the Lord. We're not even here to please ourselves. I think that's where we get in the most trouble, pleasing ourselves. We're not here to do that either. We have a lost world that is out there doing its best to please themselves. We're here. We're beyond that. We're here to please Jesus Christ alone. Amen? We must remember whom it is that we are to please. In conclusion, church, Romans 12:1. Many people have heard it and say it with me when I say it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your what? Your reasonable service. It is a very reasonable request from the one who died and shed his blood for you that he asks not for you to die for him, but for you to live a life that be pleasing unto him. Amen? Live a life that will be pleasing unto Jesus Christ above anything else. Anything else. We fight that every day. That's, we fight, as Christians, we fight that, that sinful side, carnal side of our life every day. Keep fighting. Amen? Keep fighting. Remember that we are here to be bold for Jesus Christ. You know what's going to help in our boldness? If we have a focus on Him over anything else. Amen? Brother, you come as I finish the service. I'm just going to pray. You can bow your head and close your eyes as, as the brother comes and he, as he leads the service, whichever way the Lord allows. But I just want us to think and focus just for a minute this morning what it is in our life that will help us draw closer to the Lord, what it is in our life that is making us draw farther away from God. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.